Welcome to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. We've been keeping you up to date on what's happening with NAFTA negotiations. And uh, recently in the headlines, we've heard about a potential end game for NAFTA or an agreement in principle. Um, those reports are somewhat dubious, but here to talk about it uh, with me is Karen Hansen Kuhn and Sharon Tree. Sharon, why don't we start with you and just bring us up to speed on what has happened in the last week on NAFTA, week or two. Well, um, thanks for being on the show, um, Josh. Um, a lot has either happened or not happened. We don't know <laughs> a lot of what's going on because so much is behind closed doors. There was a very strong rumor that was being um, put out in the what we call the trade press, you know, that covers sort of the insider game that the people read in Washington in particular. And it was saying that there was going to be an agreement in principle as of last uh, Monday, a week ago, um, and that um, everyone should be ready to see what this was. Of course, no one knew exactly what an agreement in principle is because we haven't really been dealing with that in the past whether it was really a, a worked out um, agreement on uh, NAFTA or really just sort of a series of bullet points on a couple of issues no one really uh, knew. However, uh, that date came and went. Uh, there was no agreement in principle or any other uh, <laughs> way. Uh, and by the end of the week, um, and over the weekend, we heard that the ministers for uh, Canada and um, Mexico, who are the top ne negotiators and the trade ministers uh, for those two countries were going home and that um, negotiators would continue to work during this week, trying to hammer out the final details of an agreement. So it's really very unclear whether they're close to an agreement or not. Um, it seems that they certainly uh, didn't come to an agreement, obviously, because it would have been announced uh, had they done so. And there do seem to be an awfully, awful lot of uh, very contentious issues that are still undecided, um, and some of which haven't really been discussed that much. I mean, right on the heels of this whole um, will they or won't they uh, scenario uh, that I've been describing, uh, President Trump announced a big uh, prescription drug initiative, which is actually about, uh, you know, it's quite related to what's going on in the NAFTA negotiations because it was a lot of provisions that were uh, very, very controversial that were in the Trans-Pacific Partnership um, that would essentially raise drug prices, um, probably in the US as well as outside of this country. And those are probably provisions that Canada, for one, is not um, very supportive of. And this was kind of a last minute, you know, bomb being thrown into the whole negotiations. So, you know, we're gonna have to see what happens. And then at the same time, we've heard um, comments by uh, Speaker Ryan saying, well, if you don't get us an agreement by May uh, 17th, um, then you can just forget about having Congress vote on it before the end of the year. Now, what that means essentially we think is that he's saying you have to send us the piece of paper that says we will be signing an agreement in the future. We've reached a decision uh, and that starts a clock that relates to the um, Trade Promotion Authority, which we call Fast Track, which is the mechanism by which Congress uh, reviews on uh, proposed trade deals and decides whether or not they're going to agree to them. And, and Karen, so with all this bluster, what has uh, the reaction been um, within the three countries of the advocacy groups and groups paying attention? 
Well, I think there have been slightly different responses, um, although they're consistent. In Mexico, you know, people are really uh, focused on the presidential elections that are coming up July 1st. And so most of the people we talk to there say they should just wait until it's decided who the next president will be instead of rushing through these negotiations. I think in Canada, there's also, you know, people are very intent on, on saying we should be focused on the substance as we are and not rushing through, um, you know, this, this sort of reckless pace to finish because of a sort of artificial timetable. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think we're concerned about consistent issues in the three countries. Um, you know, besides agriculture, there's a lot of concern about investor state dispute settlement, which I think Sharon will be talking about more these corporate tribunals that let companies sue governments. So there's a lot of concern about that. Um, there is concern about the process, of course, because this has been the most secretive trade negotiation ever. Um, and I think there are, you know, among labor unions in the three countries, um, a lot of interest in how labor will be dealt with in the trade agreement. Canada proposed some kind of labor chapter in NAFTA that Canadian unions are trying to hold their government to. Um, the U.S. has said they will make the labor chapter, which has been completely ineffective in NAFTA, more effective, but nobody's quite sure what that means. Uh, and in Mexico, I think people have been glad for the pressure against some very negative labor reforms but I think they're also skeptical about anything good coming out of these negotiations. Tied up in that, uh, you know, there is proposals from USTR to tie rules of origin for NAFTA to specific um, wages in Mexico so that auto workers in Mexico would earn at least $15 an hour to be and, and get special consideration in how you're counting the content, the local content, to qualify for NAFTA benefits. The Mexican people I talk to say, that would be terrific. These people could use a raise, and it is, and those people are less than 1% of the labor force in Mexico. So we shouldn't exaggerate the importance of that one provision. So I think those are some of the major issues thematically that I hear coming up. We, of course, keep focusing on agriculture, and we can talk more about that. But I think, really, what's, what's on the table right now, the major focus is this sort of reckless pace, this will they or won't they, with the announcement this week, um, and then a lot of concern about what could be in it. Um, Sharon, you recently wrote a blog about the, the Maine uh, Citizen Trade Policy Commission um, sending a letter supporting taking ISDS out of NAFTA. And, of course, this has been... Uh, something that's been talked about through the entirety of the negotiation. Um, where do things stand on ISDS as far as you can tell right now? And um, how, I guess maybe just project how likely it might be that we actually could see ISDS come out of the final agreement. Well, you know, that's the $64,000 yeah. question, Josh, which um, I'm probably not as well placed to answer as uh, uh, Ambassador Lighthizer or others, but I will say that this is a, a huge issue. Um, the, it's one of the few really public proposals that we've seen coming out of the U.S. Trade Representative's Office at all, and it's 
one that is a positive proposal. What they originally proposed was to put a provision into uh, NAFTA that would allow any of the three countries, or all three of them, to opt out of having to be bound by the investor state settlement rules. Um, I had some concerns, and other folks have concerns about that as an ultimate um, uh, um, policy, because if you can opt out, you can opt back in, and it's never been clear how that decision could be made and whether it would be done with congressional approval, probably not. Uh, and so there seemed to be a real danger there that it, maybe initially it would look good in terms of ISDS be taken out of NAFTA, but that ultimately we might be right back where we are. And the thing to remember about the ISDS process is this is an arbitration system that is a way of enforcing a whole lot of different rules, which right now are in Chapter 11 of NAFTA. And the, the negotiations around those rules, which cover everything from financial services to um, biotech approvals to uh, labeling of products to uh, food safety, uh, quite a lot, pretty much you know, most of everything, those uh, negotiations have in some ways potentially been uh, or maybe expanding the scope of, of what those rules cover. So you could end up with a kind of a worst case scenario. Now, we understood that the Canadians were not really comfortable with this opt-in, opt-out approach. Um, and uh, initially, both Canada and Mexico had said, you know, we like ISDS. I don't know why, because it's been used against them repeatedly, and, and they've been on the hook to pay millions of dollars in damages for domestic policies that are environmental policies and other. But for, for whatever reason, they decided, you know, they, they liked ISDS, but they have come to the negotiating table and been willing to really discuss doing something different around ISDS. So, what they were looking for, as we understand from what we read um, in, in these news accounts, is that they would like to just sort of take out the whole section dealing with this arbitration process uh, and not have this opt-in, opt-out, which was confusing and potentially not really achieving what uh, people wanted. So that's kind of the latest that we know about. We do know that um, Ambassador Lighthizer has made this issue one of uh, the ones that he feels most strongly about and is really pushing and has said he's not going to back down on, despite the fact that uh, we have, you know, many, many corporate um, advisors and, and those you know, really involved in government from a wide range of transnational corporations that really want ISDS to continue to be in NAFTA. And there's many members of Congress, um, there's many who oppose ISDS, but there's also members of Congress uh, that support it. So whether an agreement that took ISDS out of NAFTA would be successful in Congress, that's where, you know, I really don't know. It does seem that at least for now, um, the you know USTR um, Lighthizer is continuing to stick with what is a good position. You know, you had mentioned the the corporations um, pushing really, really hard to include ISDS, um, and uh, so last week there was a state legislator letter uh, that was circulated by Alec uh, in support of of keeping that provision in, and so. Uh, there are groups now working on a, a, a separate letter um, opposing it for state legislators. And can, can you just talk a little bit about how 
state policymakers have uh, weighed in so far, if at all, on NAFTA? I know we've talked on, uh, on the podcast before about what states are doing on the local level, but specific to NAFTA, um, is anything being done at the moment? Yeah, there is. Um, you know, you mentioned the ALEC letter. Just to be clear on that, you know, ALEC is a group, American uh, Legislative Exchange Council, which is pretty much industry funded and industry directed. And actually only a couple of legislators signed that letter. So, you know, but unfortunately it gets a whole lot of uh, notice, at least in, in some quarters, whereas the fact that is that legislators across the country have repeatedly and for many years opposed ISDS in trade agreements. And this goes back, you know, really decades at the National um, Conference of State Legislatures, which is actually the largest uh, state legislative organization. It's uh, completely bipartisan and has long had a policy called trade and federalism, which strongly opposed any trade agreement that included ISDS. Uh, and that policy has been uh, readopted every several years. It goes for a few years and then there's their annual summit. Legislators get together and then have readopted a variant of that that's very similar over many, many years. So um, this has been also taken up by legislators in um, various countries you know, themselves. So I wrote about what Maine was doing. Uh, the Maine Citizen Trade Policy Commission is chaired by uh, state legislators, but also includes citizens, including myself, representing environmental interests and labor, small and large businesses. Uh, and it uh, voted unanimously to send a letter to um, Ambassador Lighthizer saying, you know, we support your efforts to get ISDS out of NAFTA. We strongly support it. And here's why. And went through a litany of uh, examples of cases that have been brought challenging uh, state policies over the years and pointing out that right now uh, we have a, a company cook uh, aquaculture from is a canadian co company which has threatened uh, to sue over a washington state policy uh, which is an environmental policy regulating aquaculture in puget sound so it's very much a live issue for state legislators at the same time some legislators saw the letter uh, getting you know attention from Alec and said you know there's another side to this story and actually mainstream legislators on a bipartisan basis over many years have opposed uh, ISCS and would support getting this out of uh, NAFTA and so I know that there are a number of legislators that are working right now on trying to get a group letter together you know representing legislators from around the country that would get to um, the, the USTR and say look you know there's another side of the story and we have your back on this issue. And so Karen also um, just recently there was another trinational statement that came out from civil society organizations we were one of 34 organizations that signed on. Can you talk a little bit about that and some of the, the reasoning behind releasing an, another statement right now? Even though we haven't seen many trinational statements in the last few months, there is still a lot of collaboration happening. And I think some of that is that there is um, there are somewhat different tactics in the three countries. I think within Mexico, as I said, people are especially focused on the presidential elections. So tying the talks to what uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador might do, what his policy might be, um, and, and especially on agriculture, there's been a big focus on a forward-thinking agriculture policy to strengthen uh, Mexico's agricultural production and food sufficiency. 
that would contradict what we have in NAFTA. So they, there have been these distinct strategies that I think are very complementary, but haven't really come together um, over the last few months. So we had been talking for a while about, is there something we can all say in common at this point, given our very distinct national realities? And I think it's, it is a challenge. As I said, these, these things are real, and I think it's not necessarily a bad thing that we have uh, separate strategies right now. I think they're targeted at people who need to hear these messages and become involved in this debate. But in the letter, we talked about, you know, the need, as many people are saying, for the content of the agreement to supersede this whole crazy political process. Um, part of what's driving this, you know, is the idea of wanting to get NAFTA talks done before the Mexican elections, before the U.S. elections in November, because things might change next year. And so together, uh, we said they should just suspend the talks. They should, given all of these political changes that are coming, um, we should take a pause and regroup and think about what civil society groups in the three countries have been saying since the beginning. Now, I think there are some differences in the U.S. I think we might not say suspend. We might say more just they should, they should continue until they get it right. Effectively, I think it comes down to the same thing. What matters is the process. What matters is the content um, of what comes out of this agreement and our, our deep concerns that they'll be slipping in a lot of the bad provisions from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, some of which Sharon mentioned. Um, so this was a step forward in, in thinking through what comes next. Um, and I think it was, you know, it was a good first step along those lines in retaking that coordination. So the sort of on the will, will they or won't they um, uh, <laughs> speculation to, to kind of wrap up the podcast. I mean, either way, the next couple of weeks seem like they're pretty important in so far as they either have to get it done or, you know, get something done um, and on paper or take a break, um, either officially or, you know, in, in, um, in practice. Um, what, what are a couple of things or indicators that people might look for um, to get some idea of what's going on um, in the next couple of weeks with the negotiations? <laughs> and I, I realize that that's <laughs> broadly open-ended, but you know, um, right. you know just so like if someone's reading the news, right? If someone's reading the news on NAFTA, what, what, what's something they should be paying attention to? You know, I feel like we're back before, um, you know, it was before Nixon went to China and there were always these, uh, the, these guys that were like in the State Department or something and they read the tea leaves. They were always le reading the tea leaves and that's what we're reduced to. And I think it's important to say right again that we're reduced to that because there's almost zero transparency around this. We have no texts that have been agreed to. We have almost nothing specific here and you know that it's just a bad way and I, I know I'm repeating what what Karen just said but this is not a good way to come up with a good agreement I mean I, I do think that Ryan's statement about the timeline was sort of significant there because if there is to be an agreement um, then Congress is very important and you know, I, I almost felt like it was Ryan saying, well, maybe we don't really want to deal with this, you know, and he picked a date that is just a few days away uh, and Thursday. said, 
you've got to do this, you know, but who knows? And, and then I just was reading today that Larry Kudlow, who's the, the economic um, advisor now, said he's not at all optimistic. Then I read that Justin Trudeau said at the same time, he's optimistic there will be a deal. Uh, everybody is saying, you know, you know, something different um, all along. And I, I do think that, you know, there are so, there's been so much attention focused on one or two big issues. And we keep saying, and I, I do feel like I'm a broken record on this, but there are many, many potential provisions here that um, are, are, are are quite controversial. And I mentioned the prescription drug one just because that's the sort of thing that was taken out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership that was agreed to by the 11 countries that were left when the U.S. Uh, got out of it. And so if the U.S. is trying to get those same provisions back into NAFTA, that's going to be a tough sell, I think. And there's, a, you know, that's just an example that we kind of know about that because it was talked about um, in, in public by the president. We have an indication on that, but what's going on about the financial policies? You know, the the um, financial services policies. What's happening there? I mean, what's happening on, and, and that could be very controversial. What's happening, you know, on dairy? Uh, we've been talking about we want to preserve the supply management system that helps sustain small farmers in in Canada. We should be moving to that in the farm bill here in the U.S. Well, you have people saying the opposite in Congress. Like, I won't agree to anything unless you, you get rid of the, the supply management system. So I think there remains many, many issues that are quite controversial, and I'm just not willing to, to, <laughs> to, to um, come up with a bet on uh, whether they can come up with an agreement or not. Maybe Karen uh, has, has a better sense of that. I'm in Maine. Uh, she's down there in Washington. Perhaps she, she has a, a, her finger on the pulse and can give you a, a good answer on this. <laughs> no, I think there's a lot of false, you know, there's a lot of rumors flying around about when it might happen. Um, and of course, none of us really know. I do think it's significant that on Friday, uh, when some of us thought there really might be an announcement, um, the announcement that really came out was that the trade ministers were going home, that they weren't going to stay for the weekend, they were going to take a break, because they, they were still very far apart on some of the major issues that have been major issues throughout these negotiations. So I guess, you know, I guess it really comes down to whether they're going, who's going to give in this sort of game of chicken on those major issues. And then once we see, once there is an agreement, you know, it's still not clear, but watch for what it is precisely they say. We'll have this mysterious agreement in principle, um, which could be very brief, could be fairly detailed, uh, is still not the same thing as the actual text of the agreement. So we'll also want to be seeing when they make that announcement, you know, are they also announcing um, the president's intent to sign the agreement, which means they really are wrapping up the negotiations. And then once that happens, of course, the most important thing will be to look to see what they actually negotiated. So there are a lot of unknowns. I guess we can be prepared for what we think the process might be. Um, but I, I guess it does seem like there probably would be some kind of announcement this week.
Well, we'll stay tuned. And if there is an agreement in principle, I'm sure we'll do a, a quick podcast to tell people what's in it. If we, if they, if they let us know, which you know, also <laughs> right. speculate wildly on that. Um, well, Sharon Treat, Karen Hanson Kuhn, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you. Our pleasure. You've been listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. For more information on what you've heard today, you can visit our website at www.iatp.org. I want to thank Andrew Arisso for editing our podcast and remind you, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Um, and if you have any comments or reactions to what you've heard today, you can email jwise at iatp.org. Thanks for listening.